The Startup to Scale-Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. I'm delighted to welcome Yannicka Nissen on today's episode of the Startup to Scale-Up Game Plan. Yannicka is a serial entrepreneur, investor, board member and mentor for many startups. And she's also the co-founder of Capital T, a VC fund that invests in software startups using proprietary technology to evaluate entrepreneurial teams. She's also the co-initiator of Inspiring 50, which aims to increase diversity in tech by making female role models more visible. And she's won many awards for her contributions to tech and to society, including EY Entrepreneur of the Year in 2014 and Harper's Bazaar Woman of the Year in 2019. So, uh, Yannicka, an award-winning welcome to the Startup to Scale-Up Game Plan. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, Yannicka, you're involved in a range of projects spanning venture capital, diversity, and also public sector organizations like UNICEF. How do you prioritize your time? Good question. Well, I tend to do the things that I really like. And although if you would look at my LinkedIn, it seems like a lot. Everything centers around innovation, uh, technology, education, and diversity. For me, that's still a focus. And an important thing, rule for me to take on something new is can I learn something from it as well, aside from bringing uh, something? So it seems like a lot, but everything strengthens each other. And as long as you have a lot of fun doing it, it doesn't feel like a lot. Good. So you're having fun in everything you do. That's great to hear. Why is diversity so important for tech ventures to succeed? There's a few reasons. So for me, the fact that I'm making such an effort to contribute to making tech more diverse is that I strongly believe that we need diversity and inclusion for a more inclusive society. The products and services that we create and how inclusive they are tend to depend a lot on the diversity of the team that makes them. So there's many examples of flaws in software, in products and services because of a lack of diversity in tech. That's one reason for me. The other one is that technology is the future. That's where the growth is. That's where the jobs will be. And I think it's important that everybody gets equal opportunity to be part of that and that we should build our future uh, with everybody and not just a very small uh, selected uh, group of people. And for companies themselves, shown over and over and over again that diverse teams just need to better results also financially. So there's benefits for everybody. And when we last spoke, you mentioned the very fine margins between success and failure for entrepreneurs. So what do entrepreneurs need to do besides improving their team's diversity to ensure they land on the success side of that fine margin? There's a lot of things, of course, but I think you need to have the right product. Your timing must be good. So there's so many things that contribute to being successful or not. You need to be having perseverance, resilience. You need to be stress-resistant. 
But I think what is really important as well there is that you stay healthy mentally yourself. Being an entrepreneur under a lot of stress can be very lonely, can really feel like you're the only one making mistakes because in the press and everywhere you read about people's success stories. It's really important to realize that you get these stories from people's press releases. When you have honest conversations with people, you know and you will learn that behind the curtains, everybody struggles and everybody has issues. And that's why I think it's extremely, extremely important as an entrepreneur to have a network of fellow entrepreneurs where you can have honest discussions with about the things you're facing. I think knowing that other people go through the same will make you feel much less lonely. I think you really need that to be mentally healthy, to be able to cope with all the challenges you will face while growing your business. And have you been through that yourself personally in terms of the mental stresses and strains of of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, and I've always had a co-founder, which already helps, but still you can't discuss everything with each other often there's always still moments where you feel like you need other people but it can be really stressful a lot of things tend to happen at the same time and so I created a group of business friends around me where I could talk to about certain issues see if they uh, run into the same things and just bounce off ideas and and um, check things with them and I think every entrepreneur has these tough times it's just not an easy an easy path and that's fine because it's anyway super uh, rewarding also with the downsides but yeah definitely I've gone through these moments as well where you feel like how are we ever getting out of this and then when you have put everything you have in that company that adds to the stress of course because you know you can lose everything you have You mean everything you have in terms of emotional commitment or everything you have in terms of financial commitment? Both. Often it's a combination. Yeah, you're taking me back to when I started my business two decades ago. And uh, that was uh, no doubt about it, the toughest experience of my life. In fact, the only time I've ever personally been in therapy was during the first 12 months of starting up this business. So, um, yeah. Tough, tough times. Yeah, and I think it says a lot about how much fun it is as well, that people are still willing to go through it. Because I think with all the pluses and minuses, I think, well, for me at least, it still is the best thing uh, you can do, setting up a company. I couldn't agree more. Well, I started the business and started a family at the same time. So took on two big challenges. And uh, yeah, it was... uh, it was very tough, but I actually uh, then joined a corporate for six months, reminding myself of why I wanted to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and much to the dismay of everyone around me, uh, relaunched the business and got it spot on the second time around. So yeah. Um, yeah, it may be painful, but it's got to be better than working in a large corporate, that's for sure. Well, at least for for, for me, I think uh, it, it, not everybody is willing to give up that much to achieve their dream. And that's also fine. But yeah, I think as all of us who, who have that entrepreneurial spirit, there's something really yeah. deep down inside us that truly 
drives us. And maybe it's like some people get the travel bug, for example, some people just born to be nurses or doctors or whatever. Some of us are in a way almost born to be entrepreneurs. It's just like a, a flame burning inside us. Yeah, and I, and I have a lot of people often tell me, oh, one day I would also like to be an entrepreneur. But then they always have reasons why they can't do it at that moment. And I really believe, I'm really convinced that when you are a real entrepreneur and you have the right idea, you only have reasons to do it. And uh, as long as you have reasons not to do it, it's either not the right idea or you're not an entrepreneur or a combination. I really think that when you are a real entrepreneur and you feel this is the right idea, you don't have any option, any other option than to just go for it. Yep, I uh, 100% agree with that. Slightly different perspective now. VCs have a big influence on our future. Seven of the world's 10 largest companies were originally funded by VCs, but most yep. VCs are white males and inherently biased. Uh, and most yep. Businesses that receive funding are founded by white males. So what needs to change to bring about more diversity in investment and more diversity in tech startup leadership teams? Well, I think they they sort of go hand in hand. I think to get more diversity in terms of who gets investment, I think diversity on the side of VCs need to change because it's shown that PCs that have more diverse partner teams also invest more diverse. And it makes sense because all people are biased and you tend to invest in uh, what you know and what you recognize and what you understand. And the fact that the VC community is more white and male means that that bias goes one way. Women are biased as well. So that's why it's so important to have diversity so that bias becomes like a a mix towards a lot of things. So I think diversity on the VC side is extremely, extremely important to make real change. But that also means that we need to support much more emerging fund managers because of the way of the structure uh, VCs are structured, it's not easy to be added to the partnership uh, team. So if we have to wait for that, it can take quite a long time. Well, if you look at emerging fund managers, that's often women, people of color, people with different backgrounds. But for them, it's not easy to get their funding together for their first fund. And I think a lot of organizations who say it's important, who also operate as limited partners, so who invest in funds, should take a stand there and and make a commitment to also fund emerging fund managers that do add diversity to the PC community. So that's where a really important key to solve the puzzle is. Then in terms of diversity on the company side, I think if you have more diverse founders, they tend to hire in their own networks. And if you already start diverse, it's much easier to maintain that. And I often have a lot of discussions. Well, I can't find them. They don't apply for jobs. Well, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe you look in the uh, wrong places. If you, like in the US, the example, if you always go to the same five or six universities and those are mainly white, 
it's not surprising that you won't uh, add a lot of diversity, but it doesn't mean people went, that went to different schools or have different backgrounds can't be equally good. So unfortunately, there's not one real easy answer, but it starts with real commitment and really wanting to make a change and not just for the sake of PR. How difficult was it for two first-time female VCs, yourself and your co-founder, Eva, to raise a fund? It wasn't easy. And don't get me wrong, I don't think it has to be easy because you invest with other people's money and there should be enough checks and balances, but it should be equally difficult for everybody. And sometimes you just feel it's different. The bar you have to fit is higher. But I think what really has helped us is my background as an entrepreneur, Eva's background as a scientist and investor, and the fact that we really have a a differentiator with the model that we uh, created to evaluate entrepreneurial teams. A lot of our investors are uh, entrepreneurs themselves, and they really recognize the importance of a good team and how costly mistakes can be with the wrong team and how beneficial the right team is. And um, so I think that has helped a lot. And if you look at where we are with our funds, I think we did much better than everybody expected. Not as we expected ourselves, but it's fine. And it's not easy. And we will prove ourselves and the second time will be more easy until we are known as the best VC in Europe. Well, that's a, a wonderful aspiration. Now, your your fund, as you alluded to a few moments ago, it's very much data-driven. You use a proprietary yeah. platform called VC Vault to evaluate those entrepreneurial teams prior to investing in them. So how does VC Vault work? What's your secret sauce? 90% of startups fail, and in 60% of cases, that's to issues with the team. But if you look at how teams are evaluated, it's often dinner with the CEO or there's not a lot of structure in how people look at those teams. And when they do, um, bias just plays a role. It's a fact. And I think especially with investors, you also see that they sometimes just fall in love with a deal. And uh, they look at the ID and they think, wow, this ID is amazing and But in the end, it's the team that has to make things happen. So Eva, my business partner, she did her PhD at Berkeley in San Francisco. And she looked at what actually does make a successful team. So she did five years of research and she followed over a thousand entrepreneurial teams. She has more than 80,000 data points on this and also tested it in real life with other uh, VCs to see until we got this model that we have today where we can really see what is it that makes a good entrepreneurial team. And it's, uh, we do use it to select the team. So without bias, uh, looking at them objectively. Of course, we also look at the other things. But early stage, there's only so much uh, to look at. And the most important thing is, is this the team that can make this vision actually happen? But we also use this when companies are part of our portfolio. Because the company changes, your team changes, your context, your everything changes around you. And then it's still good to know, do we have the right team? Are there things missing? Is there things we need to work on? And then it really helps to have an objective analysis instead of somebody else's feeling. It's much more easy to have a discussion 
when there's something on the table you can discuss. And uh, it can be difficult uh, topics because it often feels very personal to people. And then this, this is just really, uh, really helpful. So in a way, you're using VC Vault not just to inform your initial investment decisions, but also to look at expanding the leadership team once a, a business is within your portfolio? Yeah. Yeah. So support on the team side remains important when you grow, when new investment comes on, on board, when you get into the next phase of your company. It remains important to get the right support on the team. And that's where this is super helpful. Well, we have invested in a few companies already. And um, so far, they really, they really like the approach. But next to support on the team, we also support on other topics. Our idea is that the companies we invest in are great already. So they don't need help. The entrepreneurs could do it themselves. But we know from experience that if you support them on the right strategic topics, on the right strategic moments, they can grow better and faster. So we have operating partners that can support them on data and engineering products, story, team, scaling internationally. And we are going to add somebody that can support them on diversity and inclusion. So this is your secret source at the moment. Have you got any plans to license your technology to other VCs or, I don't know, to headhunters like me? Or would that um, weaken your differentiator as a fund, as an investor? If we would license it to everybody, it would weaken our position. But we're looking at licensing it strategically. So if certain VCs that invest in the next stage would like to use it that can be super beneficial because that means that there's more attention also we, we would have a good relationship and uh, people show attention attention to the companies we invest in so then their chances of follow-on uh, funding are bigger so this way we uh, could use it also funds that we may not compete with but could work together with so uh, strategically we think about licensing it yes and in terms of the pandemic and the lockdowns, how has the situation over the last three to four months affected your fund and uh, your portfolio of companies? So, yeah, there's three items there. So one is our fundraising. We actually, because we haven't done our final close yet, and we have been able to add some new investors. So that on that side, it went really well. If you look at deal flow, it has been extremely busy. We've had a lot of deal flow, which is good. And not what you would expect companies that need bridge funding. That's only a very small percentage. We see that most companies go to their existing investors for bridge funding. But since we are a new fund, we don't have a huge portfolio yet to manage. So, And we are still actively looking to uh, invest. So that has been a, quite a benefit for us, I must say. And for our companies, I mean, I think this uh, pandemic impacts everybody. But we proactively invest in digital health, education, and business-to-business SaaS. And these tend to be less impacted than a lot of other um, companies. So. They've also seen, our companies have also seen the benefits 
from the current uh, climate. One is a, a tech company. And I think if you look at education, they have gone through a transformation, digital transformation that non- normally would have taken them five to 10 years. So yeah, that's just really beneficial. What is my big worry though, if you look not just from our perspective, from but from the broader perspective, network is super key in getting VC funding. And I think it shouldn't be, but today it's still the case. So for women and minorities who are not often in those networks, I think it has been more uh, difficult because you miss the serendipity of live events. I think that if the longer it takes, the bigger the impact will be. I think you're absolutely right about that. Well, Janneke, it's been fascinating having you on today's show, a real award winner, exploring your ideas on how the world of VC could become more diverse, healthy, and ultimately more successful. Yes, well, thanks a lot and uh, have a great day. This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent.